truth is, is that we are never alone. Even if we think we are alone, we have the voices in our head to let us know we are not alone. We have many, many voices in our head. And sometimes they say contradictory beliefs or things. And this is because we have two main star players in our brain. We have our soul and we have our ego. Our soul is our inner wisdom. It is the part of us that is eternal. It is the part of us that is connected to God, the universe, divinity, Holy Spirit, whatever word you want to use, our soul is connected to our creator. So it is forever wise. Other words you can use for soul is intuition, the higher self, my highest self. There's many words. And of course, words are just words. You can use whatever word you like, whatever word resonates with you. I use the word soul. And then our ego, the other star player in our mind, is not bad. It is perfectly designed to keep us safe. It has a function. It has a purpose. Our ego is our flesh. Our ego is our mind that is created to keep us alive, to keep us safe. It is our survival brain. So therefore, it is always trying to future project into the future of danger or what might happen. This could happen or this can happen because it is always trying to keep us safe. It was designed and created to keep us safe. So it is always scanning for danger. It's always consumed with worry. It's always worrying. It is always fearful because that is how it keeps us safe. But it becomes too much to handle and maybe dangerous when it's completely out of line. That it sees certain signs in your day, in your minutes, that it creates danger from. And then it tells you, you know, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Oh my gosh, what if this happens? And it's a lot of times out of line. It's overworking. And this is what we, the goal is to become an observer of the ego so that we can rein it in and say, hey, I know this looks like a danger cue to you, but it's okay. I know you're just doing your job, but it's okay. So the ego, the voice of the ego, the thoughts in your brain that are the ego are always fearful and worrisome and anxious. But the voice of the soul, that's your inner wisdom. The voice of the soul, the voice of the universe, the voice of God, the voice of Holy Spirit is always unconditional love. It is always forgiving. It is always peaceful. It always is a message message of trust and faith. The voice of the soul and the voice of the ego are two totally, totally different voices. But guess which voice we let lead our days, our weeks, our months, our years? Our ego. That's where all of our fear comes in, that's where our anxiety comes from, that's where all of our worry comes from. And this is where our self-responsibility 
and our control can have some influence. We can choose to let our ego take a back seat and let our soul come forward by the things we do in our day, by the habits we do in our day, some ways to get the soul voice forward, to open up our channel so that the divine can talk through us and speak through us and so that we can feel peace in our body. How we get our soul to come forward is to quiet our mind. There is no other way. We can do this through prayer. We can do this through meditation, singing, dancing, being absorbed in a creative activity like painting, writing. We could be in nature. So if we never, ever, ever do these things on this list, like prayer, meditation, singing, dancing, being in nature, then we're almost never giving the soul an opportunity to come forward and speak. If we want more peace, if we want trust, if we want more faith, we have to start doing activities and quiet time and rest so that we can practice quieting our ego and learning the voice of our soul or learning the voice of God. And what this requires of us is observing these voices in our heads, observing and then discerning, is this my soul, is this my ego? And this is done through practice. We won't nail it within a week. We won't even nail it within a month. This has been a years long journey for me. I am now to the point that I can watch my ego in action and know it's my ego because of the message the ego is saying. So there have been many points in my past where I have heard people say, God is telling me to do this. God is telling me to do this. And if the message, this can come off as a judgment, but I also think it's a discernment. So if someone is saying, God is telling me to make more money, in whatever way God told them that, yes, of course, that could always be true. I don't know. I'm not... That could be someone's truth, and that could be true. I don't know. But all I know is that the voice of the ego is the voice of fear and worry and lack and not enoughness. But the soul is rooted in abundance and love and forgiveness, and it is all things good. And the ego is the opposite. So, of course, a learning curve to observing the differences between our soul and our ego and the the voice of the soul and the ego is sometimes in the past or in the present, we might get the signals mixed. We might think that was God, but really that was the ego. And it takes practice. And don't be hard on yourself. We are just an observer. We're an investigator on these voices in our head. So now I'm going to go deeper into the ego because this can sound complicated and I'm hoping that I will explain it simply. There are many aspects of the ego. So all of us have an ego. 
It is our flesh. It is the part of us that tries to keep us safe. And it's for our survival. It's not bad. It's just our humanness. We all have an ego. It always wants to be right. It always wants to have power and control. It never wants to be vulnerable. It never wants to be wrong. There, there's these basic standard personalities of the ego that are all the same in all of us. It always wants power and control. It always wants to be safe. It always wants to be right. It hates the unknown. But then there's other aspects of the ego. So I personally believe all, almost all of our egos are the exact same with what I just said. But then there is an aspect in us that is called the inner child. And this is kind of the personalized ego. So it makes, it's what makes me different than you. Because we both have an ego. But then the inner child in us is what was kind of chiseled and created from our unique childhood. And by the way, this is all my personal opinion. I don't think there could be a truth on this. This is just my opinion. Take it or leave it. I'm just trying to help people understand all the voices in their head and how to detach from it and how to observe it and what voice to listen to and what voice not to listen to just to help people gain more clarity and more peace in their life. So the inner child is an aspect of our ego that is very personalized from person to person. For example, my dad died when I was young. From my dad dying, it created a very specific abandonment wound within me. This is what my childhood imprinted onto me. And this differs from person to person to person. There are so many different wounds, but like the major ones are betrayal, rejection, abandonment. And we might have one heightened wound from our childhood or many, depending on your trauma level. But this is how we each have very unique wounds while also all having an ego, which is why we're all triggered by different things. We can't all be triggered by all the same things because we, we have different childhoods which created and created different wounds and different programming. So our inner children come out to play when we are in relationship with other people. So if you're in a marriage, your inner child and your spouse's inner child get triggered majorly. This is when inner children, and this is not bad, this is just a product of our childhood and being a human and growing up. We bring our inner children into our adult relationships. And until we face it and are aware of it, we are basically an inner child. We are basically a child in an adult body. And when our spouse triggers us or does some sort of action or words, our inner child is triggered and we become, an, we become a child again. And then we start acting from our subconscious brain. So I'm going to now explain this. So the ego 
in my opinion, has kind of three different voices. This is where it could get a little confusing, but I'm going to try to explain it simply. We have our soul and we have our ego, and then our ego has three different branches. The inner child, which is the personalized ego, and then we have the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. This is very scientific. Our conscious mind is what I am speaking from right now. It's logical. It is analytical. It is your thinking mind. It is basically the brain that is sensing all the information in your environment through all of your senses. What it hears, what it sees, what it smells, what it feels, what it touches. It inputs all of the information from the senses. And then once that sensory information goes into your brain, basically your subconscious mind takes over and it makes it mean something. You get offended. You take it personal. You think this one little clue or warning sign in your environment means, oh my God, danger, danger, danger. My spouse is going to now give me the silent treatment because they they gave me a little eye roll. Your conscious mind inputs the eye roll and then your subconscious mind makes it mean something based on your past. So the subconscious mind is where all of our deepest, deepest, deepest beliefs are stored and held. And then we basically act from that place. Our emotional reactions and a lot of our habits are done from our subconscious mind and we don't even know it. Our subconscious mind was programmed between the ages of zero and seven. So between those ages, children have a delta brainwave state, which means they are in a constant state of hypnosis. So everything they see, everything they hear, they are being literally programmed. Their brain is being programmed. They're in a state of hypnosis, Program, programming, programming, programming. Zero to seven, that's exactly what happens. So the way our parents showed us love is how we were programmed what love is. If we had a tantrum or we cried too much and, our ch- and, a, and then our parent silent, gave us the silent treatment because we had a tantrum or we had big emotions... We are programmed that love ignores, that love gives silent treatment. But it also calculates that that silent treatment is a severing of the connection. And we know the silent treatment equals punishment and disconnection. So then when we are married and we act and a lot of times speak from this subconscious mind, when our partner gives us a silent treatment, our subconscious mind is triggered and then we become a child again. And we, just, we can't help it. This is just what our brain is. So technically speaking, if we aren't aware of anything going on in our body or our thoughts or anything, we are basically two children being married to each other. That's what spouses are because we constantly trigger each other. And when we get triggered, we are in our subconscious mind. And then we act from this emotional deep place where our beliefs are stored. 
So the beliefs in our subconscious mind are who God is, what God is. Is God male or female? Is the world nice? Is the world cruel? These are the beliefs that we learn as a child that are then in our subconscious mind that then we carry into adulthood. And then we have this belief about the world. If, if our parents were really pessim- pessimistic about the world and said, you can't trust strangers, big cities are scary, we take on those beliefs and then we can grow up and become very afraid of the world or very afraid of strangers or big cities. Meanwhile, our conscious mind, our thinking mind can say, no, I'm not afraid of a big city. I'm not afraid of a big city. No, I'm not. And then we get to a big city and we are so afraid because our subconscious mind has the deep belief that cities are scary and strangers are not to be trusted because we learned that in childhood. We learned that from our parents. We were programmed that at a young age. And then as an adult, we act and think and believe from this subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind reveals the truth of who we think we are, what we really believe, and our conscious mind says, no, I don't believe that. No. I'll give you an example. My conscious mind always said I was confident because I always made the first move with men. My conscious mind always said, oh, no, I'm confident. I love myself very clearly because look how I act around men. I always make the first move. I have confidence. But then I learned that when I ask a male out on a date, then a second date, then a third date, I have learned that nothing is ever enough. Will he make me his girlfriend? Will he propose to me? Will he marry me? I have to keep upping the ante because nothing is ever enough. Because ultimately, I do not have self-worth. I ultimately do not have inner confidence. Because I need a man to validate this confidence by whether he will say yes to a date with me. And then yes to a second date. And the third date. And a fourth date. Will he make me his girlfriend? Will he propose to me? Will he marry me? And now I've been married for 10 years. And the truth is that I have a bucket Almost all of us have a bucket of self-worth and we have a hole in it. So no matter what is put into the bucket, no matter what my husband does, no matter what he says, it is never enough because I have a hole in my bucket. No matter what he does, I have a hole in my bucket. And, it's, and the work is for me to patch that hole. And that is hard. Because my deepest belief that is in my subconscious mind is that I don't have the self-worth I thought I had because I use men to validate my self-worth and then nothing is ever enough. And I can see that in my marriage. I can see that even if my husband told me 20 times a day, if he finds me attractive or how beautiful I am, it's not enough because I don't believe it about myself. So we can decipher the voice of our conscious mind and our subconscious mind because of what it says. So I used to say, no, I'm confident. No, I love myself. I know I do because of X, Y, Z. 
but then I would act a different way. How we act shows us the truth. If you say, no, I'm confident, yet you have to keep checking your phone every one minute to see if they've texted you back, if your crush texted you back, because you're so anxious, you don't have that self-worth or confidence. Your actions come straight from the subconscious mind and it tells you exactly what you believe about yourself. I'll share another example that I've shared on previous episodes, I think. So for years, I would say, I love God, I love God, blah, blah, blah. My conscious thinking mind, my logical mind would say, I love God. But then there was a moment many years ago where I was talking to God and I got super, super, super vulnerable. And then I felt myself close up and I said, nope, nope, I can't share that with God because if I share that with God, God will take it away because God is a punishing God. And I closed myself up. I closed my heart off because I got too vulnerable with God because I was afraid of God. I was afraid of God's wrath. I was afraid of God's punishment. So my thinking mind was saying, I love God. And then my actual body language, and in the moment that I was very vulnerable with God, I shut my heart off from God. And I said, no, I can't. You know, God might punish me, so I can't share that with God. That was my subconscious mind. So do you see how... In my body, there were these two different voices. They were opposing voices. One was my conscious mind, one was my subconscious mind. My conscious mind was saying, I love God, I love God. But then I was having a completely different experience when I felt vulnerable with God and then I felt myself close up and need to protect myself from God. If I really loved God and trusted God, I would not have that physical reaction because I was aware in that moment that was the moment I realized that I had to repair I realized the truth of what I really believed that was that was just deep in my subconscious mind because I was raised in a religion where in my perspective in my opinion it does teach that God is punishing God is scary you should be afraid of God God has a wrath. You do not want to cross God. And that instilled so much fear in me. So much fear. And that that carried with me into adulthood. Until just in the recent years that I've been able to actually observe it. And be like, oh my God, I don't trust God. I don't love God. I've been saying I do. But now I could see when my subconscious mind is speaking what I actually believe. And what my body actually believes is the beliefs I was programmed with from my childhood. So then I've had to do a lot of work with that. And I specifically did hypnotherapy. Because hypnotherapy, you basically can access your subconscious mind in hypnotherapy. And then you can re-script whatever was scripted into you in childhood. So I did that route and I'm so happy I did because I have come so far in nine months 
I highly, highly recommend hypnotherapy if you want to reprogram, reprogram your subconscious mind. If you want to reprogram beliefs that you, you know, got from your childhood and you are aware of your patterns and you are aware of your beliefs and you just don't know what to do. I did hypnotherapy and I definitely don't regret it. So then back to my other example where I thought I was confident. I thought I had self-worth. But if I did, if I really did, why would I be observing myself having so much anxiety when I text a person that I like or a crush? If I text a crush of mine and I have so much anxiety, I can't live until they text me back. I clearly don't have self-worth. So even though I told myself, I, I'm confident, I have self-worth, my actions and what my body was feeling and what I was doing told me the opposite. They, it told me the truth that I don't have the self-worth that I really thought I had. And this is critical because now I have a starting point. If I just keep telling myself, no, I have self-worth, I have self-worth, you won't ever be able to really face yourself and then you won't be able to improve and then work on those deep beliefs. But I do think maybe you tell yourself or I told myself, no, I have confidence, I have self-worth just because I wasn't ready to face that part of myself. I think when we realize our subconscious mind and our deepest beliefs about ourselves, that's when we're ready to face it and we're ready to heal. So also our subconscious hold all of our judgments. And of course, we get, we get programmed beyond the ages of zero and seven because we see this with women. Us women are programmed that our body equals our worth. That's why we are so obsessed with our shape of our body, working out, anti-aging, Because our society programs us that how we look and our youth and our and our external beauty, that equals our self-worth. And almost all of us women are programmed this way. It's we're programmed from our society. So we most of us have this deep, deep belief within our subconscious mind that when we age, we lose value or we lose self-worth. This is why injections, 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 so that we don't age, so that we can keep our self-worth. We're programmed from this society and these are deep, 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 deep beliefs in us. This is why we act the way we do. This is why we are getting injections because our deep belief in us is that we can't lose our worthiness. We cannot age. The same is true for men. They are programmed that their bank account and what their car looks like equals their self-worth. Their conscious thinking mind can say, no, no, my bank account, no, it, that doesn't matter. But it's a deep, deep, deep programmed belief. I have this thing where I say, As a woman, how many times a day do you think about your looks or your body or your skin or your wrinkles? How many times a day do you have thoughts like that or look in the mirror? Because that is equivalent to how many times men think about money, their job or career, or 
I think maybe sex in women because they are programmed that an alpha male dominates women. And so they have this, this layer of programming about sex that women don't have. So this is where I kind of, I have empathy, empathy for men because I, I thought I had healthy self-worth with my aging body and all of this and the way my body looks and everything. But I definitely look in the mirror many times a day and have horrible thoughts about it. Thoughts that I don't even really want to believe about myself, but I'm programmed from this society to believe these things about my body or these new wrinkles on my face. And so if men have constant, um, you know, uh, attraction urges or wanting to watch porn or being attracted to all these women or wanting, you know, like their brain is different than women in regards to the opposite sex and sex in general. I personally don't believe it is scientific different brains I think they have a different brain because of the way they are programmed and that the brain changes this is just my belief I think there's science to oppose and to support this because there's this is the information age and you can find science to support anything you believe but I don't think they have different brains than us I think they are programmed differently than us which then has shaped and changed their brain. But their programming and their subconscious mind is totally different than women's. For women, we care so much about our looks and our body and our lack of wrinkles. And men care about their career, money, and sex. Because this is what we have been programmed and gathered from our culture and our society. So next I'm going to share a story with you that recently happened to me because it clearly demonstrates the difference between the soul and the ego. So I have someone in my life that I've kind of been estranged from and I haven't had closure with them and my ego is very bitter towards them. My ego wants some revenge on them like in little stupid ways, you know, like my ego wants to unfollow them on Instagram Yes, that's real. So I know the voice of my ego because it wants revenge. It wants to be right. It's unloving towards them. So I did this practice where I went into this meditative state. I brought my soul forward and I did that just by playing music, deep belly breathing. This is meditation quieting the mind, resting. And then I pictured this person's soul sitting with my soul. So I was picturing us both sitting together and I started bawling and bawling with love for this person. In that moment, I could so clearly see that every issue I have with this person is from my ego. Because when I was sitting with this person soul to soul, energetically, not in person, energetically, every negative thing melted away. 
All I had was forgiveness and compassion and love for this person. And to me, this is truth. This is the truth. What your ego wants or what your ego thinks, that is just, that is just your humanness. That is just flesh. To me, that is not truth. It can feel truthful. But I personally believe that only love is real and only divinity is real. Everything else is just like projections and the ego, which is an illusion. I believe only God, only love is real. So in this practice, I saw so clearly that me wanting to unfollow this person to hurt them, to get a little revenge, obviously that's my ego. And when I'm sitting with them soul to soul energetically, nothing matters. Nothing matters because I love them so much. I, I want to forgive them so much. So then in this space, it gets me teary-eyed right now because it's such a powerful moment. It's such an internal experience that no one can deny you. It's, it's a moment I know is real, a moment I know that is truthful because it's my internal experience with love. And this is God, in my opinion. So then when I was energetically in that moment, filled with so much unconditional love, and you don't even need drugs for this. This is what's amazing, is that our soul is there at any moment to come forward. You don't need drugs. You don't need anything. You just need quiet time and deep breath to access your soul. So then I brought in other people in my life that I have some resentment towards. And I pictured them. And I hugged them and I held their hand and I cried. And I was able to feel so, so much love for them. This is the truth of who I am. This is my soul. I have so much love for people. My ego doesn't. My ego wants to be right. My ego wants to be a victim. My ego wants revenge on people that hurt me. These are the voices in our heads. And it truly is up to you which voice you want to experience more. You can never quiet the ego 100%. Because in my opinion, that's when you die. When we die, we lose our ego and we are completely our soul again. So it's impossible to get rid of your ego. That's not even the goal. The goal is to observe and know what's your ego, what's your inner child, what's your soul. And then you can consciously choose what to bring forward more. What, what do you want to bring forward today? Who do, you, do you want to live from your soul a little more today? It's constant work. It's constant. It's not, it's not easy to put your ego at the back burner. That's why meditation is so hard because you try to have a quiet mind and your ego just sabotages, sabotages because it's like, no, you need me. I need you, you need me to keep you safe. You need me. It's not meant to be easy. But when you do bring your soul forward, the reward is exponential. 
you learn the truth of who you are. You are unconditional love and you get to experience yourself as unconditional love. That is better than any drug. So the whole point of learning what these voices are in your head is so that you can become the observer. You don't need to absorb yourself as your ego and soak in your ego fears and worries. You can just watch your ego be worried. Be like, oh, you're so worried right now. Oh, that warning sign really triggered you into being very fearful. You could watch your ego as an observer. That, to me, is the whole goal. You detach from your ego so that you don't become absorbed in the fear spirals that the ego loves to do. The ego loves to grab onto a fear and then, and then ride it on a carousel forever and ever, like minutes and hours. And then you ruin your whole day in this fear worry spiral because your ego is just literally on the loose. We can learn to detach and reign in our ego and use our ego just when it's necessary. Like when we're actually in danger. We're walking to our car and there's a lurking person, lurking man around. That's when our, the alarm bell should siren. That's when we need our ego. That's when we need our fight or flight. But we don't need it most of the time, most of the day. We have to learn when to rein it in. And then when we learn to rein it in, we can learn to, how to bring the soul forward. And when we bring our soul forward, this is when everything changes in our life. This is when everything changes. When we can live just a little more from our soul. Because the rewards of that is that we're less offended. When we're triggered, we are not our trigger. We know our inner child was triggered or our ego was triggered. But that's not us. And we can detach from it and watch our trigger. When we bring our soul forward more, we can watch our ego want revenge on our spouse who just hurt us. But our soul will forgive them and and have empathy and compassion for them. Everyone benefits when we bring our soul forward. Everyone in our life benefits. And we benefit because we are then soaking in more trust more faith more peace we don't need to control every aspect of our life anymore the ego is the thing that wants that constant constant control our ego hates the unknown our ego needs to feel safe and familiar and in control at all times but when we bring the soul forward it can sit in the unknown and trust the unknown. Can you even fathom that? I think most people can get, get hits of it at different times. Like if you are in prayer and you have that trusting, that peacefulness in you, even for 10 seconds, that's your soul. That's how we can feel. We don't have to fear, be fearful all the time. We don't have to be. Or 
we can watch our fearful thoughts and we can just love them. We can be the parent to our inner child fearful thoughts. For me, the goal of knowing the voices in your head and observing is to talk to them like they are the inner child within you. That your inner wise person, your soul, you are your parent to your ego or you are the parent to your inner child. And you can talk to yourself. You can talk to the fearful voice in your mind exactly how you wanted to be talked to as a child. You can now be the parent to your inner fearful worrisome low self-esteem self this is the reparenting process this is the work your soul is the wise parent to your ego and this is the, the dialogue that you can start to have within your brain it's like having conversations in your brain to these different aspects of yourself it's so wild when you actually observe it and the concept is just crazy just having conversations in your mind but we have a voice we have many voices in our head talking at all moments at all times of the day so an example of being your parent to your inner child or a parent to your ego would be say you have to implement a personal boundary with someone in your life and it's scary Because implementing a boundary is basically setting yourself up to probably being rejected or the disconnection or the severing of a relationship or connection. That's why personal boundaries and setting them is so scary because you're so vulnerable. You're you're like setting yourself up to potentially be rejected. And that's the hardest thing. But if we know we have to set this personal boundary, and this is how we're going to choose to love ourselves and support ourselves, we can talk to ourselves. We can even write a letter to yourself and say, I know you're so scared. You're so scared to stand up for yourself. I know how hard this is. This is how we can talk to real children and the child within us. I know you're so scared to stand up for yourself. I know it's so scary to be vulnerable with this person because you are afraid that they're going to abandon you or reject you or they're going to sever this connection from you. It's so scary. But I will never reject you. I will never abandon you. I will always be connected with you. I love you so much. I will always be here for you. You are always safe with me. This is how we learn self-compassion. Is by picturing our little inner children, our little child self at whatever age you want. And how would you have wanted an adult to speak to you? That is the job you have for yourself right now. And if you fail today, start tomorrow. If you fail again, start the next day. Every minute, every day, every hour is a new opportunity 
to restart. Try again. Try again. You have years and years of habits. You have years and years of practice of not doing this. This, this, this takes time. Be gentle with yourself. I say this almost every podcast, but try to write a letter to your inner child and tell it all the things you wish a parent or someone else would tell you. We have to stop waiting for other people to treat us the way we want to be treated or other people to tell us what we want to be told. We can be doing it to ourselves right now. This is self-love. This is self-love. Love is a action. Love is a verb. How are you loving yourself today? How are you supporting yourself today? It's through action. Love is an action. I do not believe self-love is a destination. I think it is always a journey. And I don't know how I just got started talking about the self-love now. But maybe it's because... I have learned to become an observer of these voices in my head. And this is my priority because this is how I show myself that I love myself and I support myself. Because I am parenting my inner self. Parenting my inner self is how I show up for myself. It's how I love myself. It's how I support myself. And obviously you can love and support yourself in different ways. But this is something that is my priority, which is why I'm talking about it right now on this podcast. So what I hope you gathered from this podcast is that you have many voices in your head and you are very aware of that. But one is the soul because one is the voice of unconditional love and trust and forgiveness and compassion and forgiveness and all the things, all the things that God is or that the universe is, or the Holy Spirit is, whatever word is for you. That is our soul. And we can choose to bring it forward more if we want. If we want a desire, if we desire a life of more peace, we can choose to bring our soul forward more. But then we also have this huge, huge, loud ego voice that is the inner child the conscious mind, and the subconscious mind. There's many aspects to the ego, but basically the ego is almost always afraid. It just wants control. It wants to be right. It judges. It's afraid. It worries. And we can learn to rein it in and observe it and be like, nope. Nope, I don't believe that fearful lie. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to bring my soul forward. And this is how I'm going to trust this thing in my life that's going to unfold. Or, oh my gosh, I have a huge unknown in my life. I want to quit my job and I don't know what's next. And my ego's freaking out. My ego is so afraid. But when I tap into my soul, I know this is the right move. I know it's going to be okay. These are the voices in our head. And when we learn to discern the differences, that's when we learn what's truth and what's not. Because a lot of what the ego says is not based in truth. The truth 
is love. The truth is forgiveness. The truth is compassion and trust. That's what truth is. Truth is God. Truth is love. 